Good evening, and welcome to another major episode of Triggered. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, I appreciate it. Also appreciate your likes and you guys sharing this content so that other people get to see it. Tonight, we're going to talk with investigative journalist John Solomon. John is the founder of Just the News and has broken several major news stories in recent years. The kind of stuff that the mainstream journalist would refuse to touch, whether it was stuff on Russia, 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 the Ukraine scandals. But now we're going to be talking about the Biden crime family and all of the hidden nonsense. Again, that I have a feeling if it was Don Jr., they'd be talking about. But because it's Joe Biden, because it's Hunter Biden, uh, one of the great investors in financial history, uh, we're going to hear some interesting stuff. So I'm really looking forward to this interview, and I want to make sure, again, that you guys like, subscribe on Rumble so you never miss an episode. And again, we got to get this information out there somewhere. Mainstream media isn't going to do it. Big tech's going to suppress it. So your guys' support means absolutely everything. So one of the topics we're going to go into is obviously the Biden crime family. And it seems like every single day, we learn something new about the Biden's corruption. At this point, they must be the most corrupt political family in the history of America, and perhaps even in the history of politics. And that is saying something. We learned last week from Congressman James Comer and Senator Chuck Grassley that the FBI has a document, apparently, that describes an alleged criminal scheme involving then-Vice President Biden and a foreign national relating to the exchange of money for policy decisions. In other words, there's evidence that Biden took a bribe in order to help a foreign nation while vice president. Uh, remember a quid pro quo, folks. They used to throw that around a lot. Uh, strangely, they're not talking about this even a little bit. Where is the media outrage over this? I was told that this is treasonous, uh, that this is grounds for the death penalty, um, that this is corruption at the highest level, um, or was that only when they thought that Trump was doing it? I guess it doesn't count if it's Joe Biden, right? Replace the Biden name with Trump, and how exactly do you think this stuff would be covered? John Solomon, our guest who will be joining us shortly, is reporting that the DOJ has known about this apparent bribery scheme for five years. Just so we're clear, folks, five years goes back to about 2018. Like, before the Democratic primary, they knew about this, and they still allowed Joe Biden to run through it. You think the deep state doesn't exactly exist? You still think that this wasn't all one big setup? You still believe the nonsense uh, that they're telling you? No, they knew about it and did nothing. They allowed this clown to become the president of the United States. According to the report, in 2018, the DOJ was approached by an attorney on behalf of a foreign witness with evidence that Joe Biden has exercised influence to protect his son's employer in the Ukraine in return for money to his family. I'm shocked, folks. I am, I am flabbergasted that this would happen. I mean, obviously, the people in Ukraine gave Hunter Biden a no-show job because of his expertise in the energy sector, even if he had no prior experience in the energy sector. He's one of the great learners of all time 
Of course there was no quid pro quo to any of this stuff, right? The Ukraine put him on the payroll, just like the Russian oligarchs and just like the Chinese state-run firms. They put him on the payroll because they wanted to diversify their investors. Namely, there was a deep shortage of crackheads investing in these state-run agencies, and they wanted to make sure to cover all of their bases. So we'll get into this shortly with John. I think you're gonna like it. Biden himself can't help but sell out the United States and peddle influence while our own country suffers at home. Not only did Joe Biden leave billions of dollars worth of weapons to the Taliban, but now China is stepping in and taking advantage of the situation. Because of course they are. Because when you have a clown like Joe Biden making decisions, who can barely walk up a flight of stairs, can barely get through a sentence, of course China and our other enemies are gonna capitalize on that incompetence and that weakness. Bloomberg this week is reporting that China entered into a partnership with Afghanistan. Can't make it up, folks. To bring billions of dollars worth of infrastructure projects into the country. I'm sure they'll be using our Humvees and tanks to help with said infrastructure, and China's not gonna thank us for leaving $87 billion of the stuff there for the Taliban to now turn to our largest rival and bend over and give them whatever it is that they want, likely for a few briefcases of cash. At every turn, Biden's policies are America last and China first. There's no arguing that at this point, right? Every decision that he makes seems to put America last, China and or any other corrupt regime in the world first and foremost and ahead of us. And instead of focusing on the corruption, the media would rather claim that career criminal Jordan Neely is simply a beloved subway performer. You guys remember Jordan Neely. He's the man who was killed after harassing People on a subway forcing, forcing a citizen to get involved. But Jordan Neely isn't the beloved subway performer that he's been made out to be. He was a deranged man who terrorized the city of New York. Jordan Neely had 42 arrests, 42 arrests over the past decade, including punching a 67-year woman, 67-year-old, in a subway station, punching a 64-year-old man, also in a subway station, and for the attempting and a kidnap of a seven-year-old girl. No, 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 guys. He's a beloved subway performer. There's no precedent to this. He may have a rap sheet that is miles long, but that doesn't matter, folks. We'll play a little video of him dressed up as Michael Jackson, and people have to assume that's exactly what happened. And a Marine who stepped in to protect the people that were riding that subway, he's the bad guy. That's who the left is gonna make a hero. A guy that punches old people on subway stations and tried to kidnap a seven-year-old girl. Now, by the way, that does seem consistent with everything that the left is doing these days, right? That's the hero, right? That's the person we're gonna take care of. That's the person we're gonna give your money to. That's the person we have to look up and laud and worship, not the upstanding citizens that unfortunately had to take matters into their own hands because Democrat policies have put cops totally off the beat. 
They're not allowed to do anything. They're not allowed to be anywhere. Defund the police is going great, folks. What could possibly have gone wrong? I mean, it seems like a wonderful concept, no matter how you look at it. Look at them protesting over Jordan Neely in New York City. Jordan Neely spent his life making riding the subway miserable for others, okay? It's not only right that the protests over him are apparently doing the same. That seems pretty fitting, right? Let's jump in front of a train. That's the left today. These protests happen because the media whip the left into false fury over racism that doesn't exist, over controversies that aren't real. They're literally manufacturing it all out of thin air. And to keep the lies going, they don't tell you the little details like the extensive rap sheet, like punching old men and women on a subway, like trying to kidnap a seven-year-old child. No, no, no. This guy is beyond reproach. He's great. Now, no one's saying that someone should die, but when people have to act like this, bad things are going to happen. But to talk about the media and the stoking of racism that's going on there, just look at this chart. Between 2011 and 2019, the New York Times and the Washington Post increased their usage of the word racist, racists, and racism by over 700% and nearly 1,000% respectively. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're totally clueless about the crisis that's going on at the southern border. For example, Joe Biden's border chief says he has no clue no clue why there's a surge at the border. Check out this clip of Secretary Mayorkas. Can you explain why you've seen this big surge in the last couple weeks? And if you're seeing this big of a surge ahead of May 11th or May 12th, what are you expecting come May 12th? So um, the, the surge of the past uh, couple weeks is really uh, focused on one particular demographic. We've seen an increase in the number of Venezuelan nationals coming to our border. Uh, it's very difficult to identify the cause. You know, the the just can't say why everyone's flooding the border, because the reason would implicate Joe Biden and the Democrats. The open border is engineered by Joe Biden. He's now trying to make it even worse by ending the use of Title 42 this week. You guys have seen the caravans. You've seen the thousands of people. Of course they're coming here. We're promising to take care of everything. And you, the American taxpayer, have the privilege of doing that. When inflation's going through the roof, when gas prices are through the roof, when food prices are through the roof, when interest rates are going through the roof, when everything seems to be heading towards total collapse, you now have the privilege of taking in millions of new people. And with the ending of Title 42, a policy put in place by my father, President Donald Trump, in 2020 that allowed the Border Patrol to swiftly deport illegal immigrants. Millions are rushing to the border for a chance to cross with no obvious consequence other than, again, you get to take care of them for life in many cases. Check it out.
morning to you. The numbers are already starting to explode. Listen to this. Border Patrol reporting last week alone, they made about 55,000 migrant apprehensions. That's almost 8,000 every single day with a huge surge continuing right here in Brownsville. Take a look at this stunning drone footage our team shot right here in Brownsville late yesterday afternoon. One of the biggest single groups of migrants crossing illegally we have ever seen during our Fox News coverage of the border. A line almost as far as the eye can see, predominantly single adults. You'll see. Say goodbye to your country, folks. The Democrats would rather have millions of new voters than enforce the laws. The crime associated therewith, the drug trafficking, the human trafficking, the sex trafficking, it doesn't really matter as long as they get to retain power. And that's what this has all been about. But for a little bit of lighter news, this next one sounds even too woke that it actually sounds like a joke. Although I guess we could say that about a lot of the things that are coming out of the news these days, a lot of the hills to die on for the radical left. The next story shows how far our country is gone. It's maybe the funniest headline I've read in the while. The Daily Mail headline reads, quote, trans woman is cleared of flashing her penis at three young women using the Ohio YMCA after a judge ruled that she's too fat for her genitals to be visible. Did you guys catch that, right? Her penis. She's too fat to show her penis. That's the whole story. The press just has to go along with this ridiculous lie that women can have penises. Can you imagine just sitting there? Uh, Your Honor, my client was too fat to actually show her penis. Guys, we're living in clown world. <laughs> also, it's a mar- remarkable ruling here. This may be the first time that being able, not being able to see your own feet and or penis is actually beneficial. Uh, this seems like maybe fat privilege. I don't understand it, but I don't understand a lot of the insanity that's coming out uh, these days. So I'm not going to end on the happy note, unfortunately, uh, because... Uh, Chelsea Clinton is apparently teaming up with Bill Gates for the largest vaccination program in history. Check it out for yourself. Effort that we're a part of uh, is the new initiative launched by the World Health Organization last week to try to catch kids up on their routine immunizations. In 2021 alone, more than 25 million kids under the age of one missed at least one routine immunization. And so we're working with WHO and the Gates Foundation and others uh, to hopefully have the largest uh, kind of childhood immunization effort ever over the next 18 months to catch as many kids up as possible. Well, folks, what could possibly go wrong? Chelsea Clinton teaming up with Bill Gates and the World Health Organization. This is a disaster waiting to happen. We've seen it before. Man, it's actually hard to believe anyone would even listen to these people anymore given everything we now know to be the truth, everything we were lied to about, but hey, they get the power, they got big tech and mainstream media backing it, so this will be a wonderful concept even if it probably leads to the death of many of our children with this insanity. Guys, the pandemic is over. Let's stop with the nonsense. 
Let's end this crap and let's stop listening to non-doctors and or doctors who have been corrupted by non-doctors money uh, and or Chinese money and or all of the other links that we've seen because this doesn't end well. So before I get to John though, folks, I wanna thank our brave sponsors. Make sure you go check out Patriot Mobile. With Patriot Mobile, you put America first with every call while getting the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers. Guys, you're going to have a cell phone, okay? So you might as well have it with a carrier who actually supports your values. So you can support AT&T who wanted to cancel conservative programming like OAN and tried to do it to Newsmax, or you can have it with Patriot Mobile who puts their dollars into action, donating a portion of every dollar earned to support groups that fight for the First Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, the sanctity of life, protecting our brave police and first responders, of which we need to do a lot of protection these days, especially with what's going on at the border. So for free activation, go to patriotmobile.com slash Don Jr. Go check them out. I think you'll really like it. That's patriotmobile.com slash Don Jr. And I also want to take a second to thank our other sponsor, our original sponsor, Goldco. I want to make sure to take the time to talk about using gold and silver to protect your retirement savings from inflation and dollar devaluation, guys. We see the economic storm that's brewing. We've been watching the warning signs. We're seeing the banks collapse. We're seeing the rising inflation. It's all happening. I just want you to be prepared. So owning tangible, physical inflation hedging gold and silver can help diversify your portfolio and protect you from some of the insanity that's going on. The guys at Goldco can help you with that. So I want you to get out there. Just take a look. Protect your retirement savings. Go to donjuniorgold.com. Support the companies that support you and believe what you believe. So go to donjuniorgold.com. Learn about it and just make sure you're prepared for the coming insanity. So with that, I want to go live now with John Solomon, uh, great investigative journalist. Uh, it's worked at all the major players. And now, John, you've, you've actually, you're out on your own uh, doing yeah. your thing because you've seen and probably have been censored at some of the more, let's call them mainstream uh, locations. Now, it, it doesn't matter that you end up being right. You're just not allowed no, to go doesn't. against the narrative. See, you know, Tucker Carlson as an example. If you go against the uni party, you can be a super conservative guy. But even if you, you threaten that establishment, uh, you call them out on their nonsense, and it's going to be problems. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell us about just the news and how you got away from, I mean, I was shocked to see it, you know, the Washington Post yeah. and some of these kinds of places. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine that ever happening now, but maybe there was a time when they were slightly less yeah. biased against conservatives, though I doubt it. Yeah. yeah, listen, in the 80s and 90s journalism, when I started, you know, you didn't walk into a newsroom with a bias. You didn't walk into a preconceived narrative. You follow the facts wherever they are, and you try to do your best job giving people the facts and let the American people make up their mind. Today, news media want to make up the mind of Americans by feeding uh, opinions, masquerading as facts, and they have hijacked the truth so many times. Don, you went through this all four years of your dad's presidency. How many stories almost every day were wrong in the media, but they, they, they had a preconceived narrative. Donald Trump's a bad guy, and we're just going to keep proving it time and time again. In trying to prove it, they failed. They actually proved the opposite but they ruined their profession. And so I watched this go on after I broke a lot of the Hunter Biden stories in 2019, which by the way, to this day, remain 100% accurate. And now the rest of the media are catching up to it. Uh, I watched the cancellation and said, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm gonna go take my own retirement money, pop it into a new site and go start something on my own. And 
Just the News was born. We're three years old. We have millions of readers a month. And um, now the mainstream media covers us. We actually go out and break stories, and they follow it a day later, and that's a good thing. I'm, I'm happy about that. No, I think that's great. I mean, it's, it's part of why I did this, right? Again, they, yeah, exactly. it, 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 was, it was a lot easier to be a real estate developer from New York, but then, you know, when they started attacking <laughs> myself, they were attacking my family, yeah. they were, uh, you know, going crazy with the nonsense, and I just said, well, listen, like, someone's got to actually talk about these things. I know that, you know, in the let's call it the 2017 during the out, the Russia, Russia, Russia outrage. I was one yep. of the, you know, bomb three. I was three of like the five big bombshells literally involved. Right. I mean, now none of them end up <laughs> being true, but only one of them, they even changed right. the stuff that, you know, they leave it up there. It was great for clicks. I'm like, it's demonstrably false. And here's the proof. I mean, you know, I had gotten something from WikiLeaks because like, I think it was Adam Schiff in the, you know, the documents that he yeah. leaked changed the date. He took out like the, and the date, they took out the one in the 14th, so it looked like yep. it was the fourth instead of the 14th, because some guy like sent me like the the WikiLeaks like doc dump. The problem is it was four days after it was public to the world, but you get rid of the one, the 14th becomes a four, and it looks like I had it like six days before the rest six of the days world. Before. And yeah, you know, that was the bombshell. And no one even corrects it. No one in the media they don't spoke to the leaker or called them out for lying and or falsifying a document for the purpose of their narrative. You know, that was one of three. Uh, and so it, it's disgusting what's going on right there. And it's actually hard to believe that there's any credibility left in these major institutions. You saw that in, uh, you know, in the Twitter files. Uh, right. You see that in the cover up of the Hunter Biden stuff. And, I, you know, we're going to get to that a lot, obviously. I, <laughs> perhaps I take this one a little bit more personally, given what they you know spent you know, the yeah. better half of a decade uh, trying to do to me and to my family. But, you know, talk about that a little bit. I mean, you, you see what's going on. Why would people ever believe anyone in the mainstream media these days? Yeah, listen, it, it, it's the reason why the mainstream media is bleeding so much viewership, whether it's CNN or the New York Times, and why you look at the polls and people don't trust it anymore. Why new sites get a look now? Because Why new shows like yours get a look? Because people have figured out. There's three things that American people think. The, the elitist media think Americans are dumb. That's their first biggest mistake. Yeah. You can't pull the wool over the American eyes. They're way smarter. Two, uh, they think that people can't discern fact from opinion. They're wrong. People can see an opinion a mile away, and they've been watching news sites deliver opinion for an entire decade, and they're like, we're done with it. And I think the third is there's a desire for Americans to just get facts and make up their own mind, and the yeah. current media won't let you do that. They won't let it happen. So no, that's and, why and what you're doing, what I'm doing is, is so important. Yeah, and, and others get in the way of that too, right? It's not just the media. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, nope. I started MXM News with a, with a partner of mine, a political guy that just understands what's there. And that's just a news aggregator, right? We've taken yep. your stories and we'll take the New York Times and we'll put them, right. you know, up at, you know, next to each other so you can read and formulate your own opinion. And, you know, a major bank, PNC Bank, we're just like, we, we thought someone hacked our account and stole all the money because our operating account was at zero. We call and they go, oh yeah, well, sorry, we didn't. We forgot to call. They didn't even call, right? They just like, we, no, we sent you a cashier's you. check yep. for the money that you had in there. We don't want to do business with you. And we weren't even creating the news. We were just allowing nope. people to look at both sides. So it goes beyond not even covering the story. There's an active attempt to suppress anyone who would even question that narrative. And I think That's if you so look true. honestly at the last few years, uh, the narrative has not been right often. Now, they get what they want. They've been able mm -hmm. to weaponize it to achieve the power or the end result. You know, we dunk on them on Twitter two years later, you know, or Truth Social, say, see, we were right. We knew the Wuhan lab. Of course it came from there. It's like, well, yeah, but they weaponized it to 
change an election. Like, so they still got what they want, so there's not really a consequence. So, you know, you have a big story out right now uh, about an ex-prosecutor who approached the DOJ in 2018, a witness yeah, who claimed Joe Biden was involved in bribery. What, what can you tell us? What's new? You know, we've heard the stuff coming out of oversight. What's new, yep. and, you know, beyond what we've already known? So there are two moments in the last 10 days that I think are really significant. In the summer of 2020, June 2020, an FBI, a series of FBI agents are meeting with their confidential human source, an informant, and that informant tells them, hey, I have compelling evidence, detailed evidence of how Joe Biden ran a pay-to-play bribery scheme in Ukraine. That gets put into circular, not pursued. Now Chuck Grassley and James Comer. Now, wind back two years earlier, the exact same thing happens. A former federal prosecutor, a U.S. attorney, in Little Rock, by the way, one of the Justice Department's own, he approaches the U.S. Attorney in New York saying, hey, I've been approached, the uh, Attorney General of Ukraine has evidence, including John Roe 1, John Doe 2. So two um, uh, witnesses, eyewitnesses to this, as well as a paper evidence, he'd like to come over and tell you that Joe Biden may have engaged in a pay-per-play bribery scheme. Exact same thing happens. They don't follow it at all. But in this case, they go a step further. They investigate their own guy, their own former U.S. Attorney, and grab his phone records as a penalty to see who he was talking to. Rather than look at the allegations of Joe Biden, they stuck him in a circular and they attacked the person who actually as a good citizen comes forward trying to alert the Justice Department. It's not only is the media losing confidence in the, uh, from the American people, the criminal justice system is these sort of episodes where politics are treated differently. Listen, if half the things uh, Hunter Biden did, you did, you and I'd be doing this uh, interview and you'd be in prison. We'd have to do a prison connection to do this. John, I'd be, a, I'd be at Gitmo you, and you I don't would. imagine they'd let me make a phone <laughs> yes. call to you. But You like, wouldn't even get the call. I'd but that's what's so scary about it. I mean, they, it is. beyond that, I mean, theoretically, they basically impeached my father over accusing mm-hmm. him of doing something far less than this. I mean, this is, uh, yeah. you know, but again, like Wuhan lab, like, of course that ha- like why else would Hunter Biden get a job at Burisma? Like he knows That's nothing right. about energy, doesn't speak, you know, the language. Uh, he was a no-show board seat for 85 grand a month. Like why would he have that job if there if it wasn't right. a pay-to-play operation? Like there's literally no reasonable explanation for it. He wasn't there in that it. world. It wasn't like he was the nope. biggest energy guy in the world and like hey, you got to fix this. Uh, you know, he had no experience in this stuff, but, you know, making, you know, millions of dollars from this. And, you know, same with China, you know, a billion dollar investment from the Sovereign Wealth Fund to a crackhead. Like, you know, hey, you can say what you want about the Chinese. There are many things. They're not nice, but they're also not stupid. Uh, stupid. They don't just do that unless there's an end game. So, like, what else would it possibly Uh be? So, you know, it's Hunter Biden wrote it himself. He wrote it himself in the 2015, which is the bookend between Burisma and China, right? They're right in the middle yeah. of those two deals. Yeah. He writes one of his business partners when the Chinese are about to come in with that three-carat diamond and that $5 million forgivable loan that we've now documented, uh, irrefutably done. And he says, listen, they're not interested in my skill set. They're interested in my last name. He knew exactly what these foreign powers wanted, and he played the game. He traded influence for money, and he knew it. He said it himself. He wrote it himself in an email. Yeah, and you know, I, I see the stuff they continue to try to throw at me, my family, and I'm like, man, it, it feels like there's like actually glaring evidence, you know, like where there's smoke, yeah. there's fire. They've been trying for seven years with us, and it's, it, it seems like they're actually trying to cover up uh, all of this stuff. And, it, yeah. it, and what I mean by that, and I, like I've sort of seen the theory out there, I'd love your opinion on this as someone who's watching it, like, but it seems like there's, there's this, 
Well, they may indict Hunter Biden, but for like the little stuff, almost as a way to stop yep. looking at the bigger stuff. Uh, uh, you know, that yep. okay, we, we, we gave you what you wanted, but we're not going to look into the real corruption, which looks to me uh, like actual treason, not like the stuff they accused Trump of that after seven years, they, there's like literally, literally nothing. Nothing. But there's actual money, there's actual documentation, there's actual evidence and photographs, and you know, it, it never ends. But it does seem like there's this, hey, they're gonna get them now, but they're gonna get them on like the minor stuff that has nothing to do with it to yeah. put a pause on everything else that they're looking at. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's exactly what drove a very um, decorated former, a career senior IRS agent, a supervisory agent, to go be a whistleblower in the last few weeks. He comes forward and said, listen, I'm watching this case. I'm seeing the evidence. And they're treating Hunter Biden differently than any other tax scale that I've ever pursued. And I'm worried about it. He goes to Congress to say that exact thing. There's been political interference to narrow this case down to Mickey Mouse charges when there was a lot more evidence that could have been there. That's a career FBI IRS agent saying that. Oh, the guy at the FBI says the same thing about the allegation about Donald Trump. And let me go to the story I broke this morning, yeah. the Bud Cummins story. Here's the amazing thing. Do you know who Bud Cummins was trying to bring to the U.S. Attorney in New York? He was bringing the Ukraine prosecutor that Joe Biden personally handpicked to replace the one Joe Biden fired because that guy was investigating his son. Think about that. Joe Biden, the guy that was dealing with Joe Biden on this very issue, thought Joe Biden was corrupt enough and he wanted to come to the U.S. attorney and prove that if that doesn't set off alarm bells, if that doesn't tell you, hey, the Justice Department probably shouldn't have looked at this, maybe it's not true, but at least look at it. They didn't. They kept, there's been a political protection racket, impeachment, uh, the FBI circular, the uh, 2018 approach by the Ukraine prosecutor. Every time something comes up about Joe Biden, there's someone in the government protecting him. Mike Morell's out there writing a letter uh, declaring the laptop uh, of Russian disinformation when there's not a shred of evidence, and he admitted why he was doing it. I want to get Joe Biden uh, uh, elected. There was a political protection racket from 2016 to 2022 that has interfered with bringing any accountability to the Biden family. That is now irrefutable. The evidence is now sitting out in plain open. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that, right? I mean, they're, they're testifying, presumably truthfully, in, in front of Congress that, yeah, we, we, you know, there was no real evidence of it, but it sounded good and we wanted to make sure Joe Biden won. I mean, why do these people right. still have security clearances? I mean, they That's literally, you know, we, we, we've heard a lot about election interference over the last, you know, insurrection and all this nonsense. Yeah. It's all sound bites, but here's, you know, some of the highest ranking people in intelligence just basically flagrantly lying uh, about what was there to be able to sway the American public. And again, they, they get what they want. There's no consequence. They maintain mm -hmm. their classified, uh, you know, credentials. And, you know, they'll they go on more about contracts their day. Too. Yeah, they'll get more contracts. I got to interview your dad in the middle of the Russia collusion thing. And he said something that still uh, stays in my ears these days. And he said, I'm fighting Russia collusion because I don't want a future president to go through what I've done. I don't want a dirty trick to turn out to hamper a presidency like it has hampered my presidency. You know what? There was no consequence for Russia collusion. It got laughed off. A couple of people got a slap on the wrist. No real consequence. That's why people felt more emboldened in 2020 to uh, do it again. And I fear even right now, as you and I are speaking, the permanent administrative state, the deep state, as your dad likes to call them, they have no fear that they're going to get caught. And if they are caught, they'll get punished. And until we create some consequences, this system is going to continue to play politics instead of justice in this country is going to go down a very dark rabbit hole. It's down. It's headed down that rabbit hole already. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I think that's right. Right. There, there is they've been busted 
everyone knows, you know, we're catching them after the fact, but th that's the real yep. problem, right? There is no accountability. There is no, no there is no answering to, for the thing. So, you know, why would they stop? Uh, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're unelected officials that are the de facto rulers of our government. Uh, they're making decisions that our children will be holding to for, you know, generations. We can't afford to take care of ourselves, but we want millions more coming in across the border illegally. We're going to fund not just a proxy war anymore, but we learned two weeks ago a boots-on-the-ground war in Ukraine without congressional approval or without that of the citizens. You see even the Republicans, uh, you know, whispering to their friendly leftist reporters, hey, we're thrilled that Tucker Carlson's off the air because it's going to make supporting the war in the Ukraine so much easier, even though our constituency yep. have no interest uh, in this sham uh, disgrace, and yet it's going to keep going. So, you know, how do we get past that point? How do how do we open people's eyes to exactly what's going on and just how badly they're being manipulated and used? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I think there is a moment right now where we have a couple characters in Jim Jordan and James Comer that are not going to play the traditional Republican game and only do a half an investigation like we got with Benghazi. They're going to go all the way. The fact that uh, James Comer is going to drop some big evidence on Wednesday, that's a big thing. If James Comer secures the cooperation of Devin Archer, the right-hand business partner of Hunter Biden, the man who often met with President Biden to talk about Hunter Biden's gigs, if he gets that sort of cooperation, if he gets Eric Schwerwin, the guy who did both President Biden and Hunter Biden's taxes, if they secure that cooperation, this presidency has some very significant peril to it, political peril, even the mainstream media at that moment. And they're working very hard to do that right now. But that's the sort of thing that Republicans in earlier investigations would back off of. Hillary Clinton email, Benghazi. They went halfway, and once they met resistance, they, uh, they made a U-turn and said, we're done. Uh, uh, Jim Comer and uh, Jim Jordan, they run into the resistance. They actually like the resistance. I think there's a different mindset with this congressional investigation than any others that I've seen in the last 10 years run by Republicans. And that is going to be important. You got to get you got to hold the line. You can't fall for the tricks. Don't let the resistance stop you. They seem determined. Here's the punishment. If in the September budget that gets passed for October 1st, Republicans insert there that all these 51 people who signed the letter may never have another dollar spent on them, giving them a security clearance, a federal contract or a federal uh, job they will have enacted the sort of punishment on those 51. The Justice Department's not gonna do anything, but they can do it with the power of the purse. That's it. I think if there's if you hit people in their wallet, it hurts, and I think that's where Republicans are headed right now. Let's see if they have the will to stick to it. Yeah, so you mentioned sort of, yeah, House Oversight, uh, its chairman, James Comer, I guess, previewing yeah. new evidence on Wednesday in the investigation into the Biden uh, family and the foreign dealings. So, do you have any idea what we can expect of that? Again, it seems like he's out there sort of being like, do. don't charge him right now because we actually have a big one. And it's like, the, yeah. you know, the DOJ is going to rush in there to try to, you know, That's right. I mean, I guess they'll indict him to save him from further, much bigger, much and more the, significant indictments that probably takes down Joe Biden, uh, you know, and everyone else. But yeah. do you have any idea, any insight into what, what more there is, you know, other than perhaps filling in the details of what we peripherally understand right now? I think most people have been focused only on China and Ukraine and a few million dollars and a couple of sensational episodes. I think what um, James Comer is going to deliver on Wednesday is that this foreign influence peddling scheme was global, tens of millions of dollars, uh, 9, 10, 11, 12 Biden family members, dozens of LLCs. It ran like a major enterprise. And when you look at where all the money came from, most of them are adversarial countries to the United States. And I think he'll overlay that 
map. All right, all right, all right. Now we gave you the full scope. You didn't know it's tens of millions of dollars. It's terrible. Ten, ten family members. But here's the thing. Let's take a look. Every time Hunter Biden or a family member had a client, look what Joe Biden was doing. And I think he will overlay Joe Biden's official acts with the business interests that were actually being met by Hunter Biden and James Biden and say, listen, there's no chance this is a coincidence. There are no coincidences in Washington. Hunter, Joe Biden kept taking actions that were favorable to the very people paying his family. I think that's what that report will look like on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I mean, and that seems interesting. We saw that a couple of weeks ago, you know, uh, Joe Biden's uh, deceased son's, you know, w widow, I guess that also Hunter's yeah. mistress, Haley, uh, right? you know, she was making hundreds of thousands of dollars from some of these. Like, what does she have to do with China? Like, OK, if we're going to still pretend yeah. that Hunter Biden's the business mind, wh why? What, what does she do? It doesn't seem like she's even in business at all. And yet it's, you know, clearly taking I think it was hundreds of thousands of dollars from the Chinese and probably others. So, you know, it, it, it doesn't just end at Hunter. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, you have. Right. Uh, Joe Biden's brother, uh, clearly, you know, one of the people out there wielding his brother's influence for, you know, major contracts. Again, no real experience, but he gets these big jobs and millions of dollars that that's follows. Right. And then that's then spread out throughout the family. I mean, it really does seem like it's running like a mafia style racketeering type operation in there. And that's just the little details that we know. But it's it's still shocking to me. And I guess I shouldn't be shocked. But that, again... There, you're one of the few voices in the media that's even willing to ask the question, to, to be like, hey, wait a minute, because like, it feels like that's a really big story, like, you know, like beyond Watergate level type story. And yet it's just like, ah, it's OK. It, it's Biden. Yeah, that's what, listen, the political protection racket we talked about before, which often involves the bureaucrats, it also involves the media. There hasn't been a major media organization that picked up that letter. It ran interference from October to November. The debate moderator who cut off your dad and wouldn't let him continue to pursue the Hunter Biden thing, citing the letter, letting Joe Biden cite the letter. Not a single one of them have come up in the last week and said, you know what, I'm sorry. I was part of a political ruse. I didn't do my job as a journalist. I let you down. Not a single one of them. So the media, the, the, the deep administrative state that we have here and the Democratic elites, they've been in lockstep since the day your dad came down that elevator in 2015, and they're not stopping. And so we have to find ways to get around that blockade. And with the changes at Twitter, with the rise of Truth Social, with the rise of your new show, my new news site, other sites, we're now getting people around it. How do I know that? Even though the blockade in the mainstream media remains as strong today as it did in 2016, 17, 18, 19, 80% of Americans say they're now aware of what Hunter Biden was up yeah. to and they're very concerned about it. We're getting around the original gatekeepers. And every time you do your show, every time Rumble runs something that does get censored somewhere else, every time a tweet or a truth comes out that doesn't get censored by the FBI or Democrat elitists, we are getting the American people what they always want. They just wanted the facts. They'll make up their own mind. That's why Joe Biden's in the toilet right now, 36%. People are starting to realize they got sold a bad bill of goods. The facts show that, not opinion. The facts show that. Yeah, and I think I, I saw a report, something about 17% of Americans that voted for Joe Biden would not have had, they, right. had they actually known that the laptop was real. I mean, and, and again, that's the, yeah. sort of the point about, you know, they get their win. You find out later, but... They got their win. I mean, they got this clown show presidency going on that's destroyed an American economy, that's uh, kowtowed to, you know, our enemies. Our enemies are laughing their asses off. Our, our oh, allies man. are scared to death. And we're losing the hegemony America had for 200 years as sort of the world's 
uh, leading superpower because we're not to be trusted. We, you see the economic decisions. Uh, we're now talking about getting away from the petrodollar and the, you know, the U.S. dollar as a standard currency. I mean, you know, how do you fund the you know, $31.5 trillion of nonsense and waste that the U.S. government has if you can't really borrow like we used to because of this? So that may actually be a good thing, despite what it does to America in the yeah. short run, because, you know, it stops funding, you know, tens of millions of dollars for drag queen story hour in Pakistan, which, you know, I imagine they're not taking all that seriously uh, mm -hmm. in the third world because they got other things to worry about, but it's happening anyway. But, you know, this has been an objective disaster for our country. There's no metric where we're doing better. There's no metric where we're doing good, uh, frankly. And yet that could have been prevented very easily if people actually had the real information. And that's but by their own saying. Yeah, listen, the, the decision, the most political decisions are not very personal to Americans, but the, per, the decision of president is the most personal political decision people seem to make. And I think right now the American people are in a rebound date. They, they really feel like they got sold a bad bill of goods with Joe Biden. And I think the swiftness of their a rejection of him is going to accelerate. I think 36% may not be as low as Joe Biden goes because he lied to the American people. Hey, inflation's transitory. All right. It wasn't. Hey, I'm going to get out of Afghanistan with honor. It wasn't. Hey, I had nothing to do with my son's business deal. And he's a good guy. And he never did anything wrong. That's not true either. I think the lies are beginning to stack up. And in 2020, they were suffocated. You couldn't get around their lies. My reporting was discredited. Today, we have the ability with Truth Social and other places to get around. And Americans are getting the information they've been deprived. And when they find out that their, their spouse, their presidential candidate was cheating on them, they really don't like it. I think 2024 is going to be a disciplinary election, meaning Democrats and the media who held up are going to get shellacked because people are just tired of being lied to. Well, so maybe that's the question. You know, what, what's going to be the Democrat tactic for the next you know, 18 months? What are they going to bribe the American people with their own money, obviously, and the future yeah. of their and well-being of their children's sure. future uh, to be able to paint that image? How much damage will they do further to the American economy to try to create or to artificially bolster stuff just to be able to try to get through that election and, again, manipulate, uh, manipulate the facts, manipulate the statistics? Because, I mean, what I see out there in the job numbers, I mean, it's, it's like they're changing the rules of the way things are done to be able to say that, no, 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 we're not really in a recession. Even if this is the way we would have measured that for the last 50 years, you know, it yeah. was never really locked in stone, so we're going to nope. change it a little bit to pretend. Yeah, they, they, listen, they do it so many times, people don't even know what the ingredients of the soup are anymore. They're so confused. Um, I think there's two things to watch for. I think the first thing is they will continue to create division with women with the abortion argument. They will lie about the actual stance of Republicans on abortion and try to play that. Here is the thing that when I talk to Democrats, they most lay up awake at the thing they fear more than anything else. And your father, the 45th president, started it. When he said, I'm going to become the harvester in chief, we're going all in on early voting. That scares the living Dickens out of the Democrats. Why? That's been their margin the last few years. If Republicans nearly won, even though they started almost every race, two, three, four hundred thousand votes behind. If Republicans run a credible ballot counting, ballot collection operation, legal and lawful, uh, with, with the current popularity of Election Day, where Republicans win by 40, 50 percent. Uh, there is going to be a real problem for Democrats. They can't make up 
many yeah. more votes by collecting more ballots. That's going to be the game changer, the rise of Republican early voting and being successful at it. Democrats don't have an answer for that. They certainly don't have an answer to their candidate as president, right? Look at the polls. You, uh, you know, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, basically anybody can beat the Joe Biden in this state, and people want the policies of Donald Trump back. They want him back, and that longing is, is I think, uh, going to be a really significant dynamic in the 2024 race. Yeah, listen, I think I think Donald Trump as a lame duck uh, candidate, you know, president who doesn't have to worry about getting reelected, yep. doesn't have to be someone's He's friend. Scarier. He can yeah. just go there and torch the place. I mean, I think that's amazing. And that's what we we need. But you're 100 percent right. I've been saying this on the show a lot. Like we can't do that. Well, let's just hope for nice weather on Election Day, because that means <laughs> yeah. what people will turn out like, no, yeah. man, we got to be good playing printers in Maricopa the game. Yeah, the amount of people yeah. in Philadelphia that had no idea who they were voting for in John Fetterman, but, you know, yeah. maybe still cast a legal ballot, even if it was collected by someone else or filled in by someone else. You know, we have to be playing that same game because, I mean, if we don't, you get John Fetterman, you get Joe Biden. So, we, you know, I'd love to have same day voting with paper ballots, with, you know, IDs. The reality is this. When they're winning, they're able to set the battlefield. They, we have to play yeah. their game. And if we're not playing their game, we can't actually win. You know, and they want us to take our ball and cry and go home and stuff like that. We can't do that That's because right. there's too much at stake. There's also something to watch. This summer, there'll be the landmark North Carolina Republican Party case. If the United States Supreme Court rules that the legislature's ability to set the rules of election is supreme, meaning they don't, they can't be vetoed by a governor, they can't be overruled by a court, which I think could possibly happen that, it means the Pennsylvania legislature with the Republican legislature can dictate the rules of election and the Democratic governor in Wisconsin or Pennsylvania or Arizona can't veto it. The legislature can do it just through resolution. That is a landmark case. A lot of people aren't focused on that case brought by Michael Watley, the Republican Party chair. If that comes down, even though that's about reapportionment and redistricting, the principle is the same. If a legislature's authority to set the rules are absolute and courts and governors can't get involved, Republicans in some of these states that keep getting vetoed with common sense reforms suddenly have the upper hand. It looks a lot different in Arizona and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin if that Supreme Court ruling comes down the way people think it will. Well, I, I hope it does, but you know what they're going to be doing, right? They're going to be sitting there and illegally harassing the justices. And again, if we did this yeah. to, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg back in the day, or if we did it to oh. Sotomayor today, yeah. everyone would be in jail. It would be enforced. It would be yet yeah. another insurrection. But when they do it to, you know, Kavanaugh, uh, when they do it to, you know, Roberts, now I, I assume he votes with right. the left because he's too weak to do it, you know, any other way. But like when they, they'll do it to the conservative justices and there'll be you know, no consequence again, because we don't live, you know, in a place that actually has equal justice under the law. So I imagine there'll be a lot of intimidation uh, taking place to make sure that that doesn't happen. So, again, we have to play the game that they're playing. Yeah, we agree. must be unafraid. We must stand up to this nonsense or, you know, we're going to live in that communist totalitarian state that they're looking for. Listen, everybody I've talked to subscribes exactly to what you just said. If you want to win, you play by the rules. Ronald Reagan said, never unilaterally disarm. You can be a principal person, but don't unilaterally disarm. I think Republicans have figured out the way to win in 2024. Uh, they've got great candidates. Uh, the map is more favorable in the Senate. And here's something that I think is also going to happen. I think you're going to see Republicans have their own abortion issue. No, not an abortion, but something that gets the masses out to the polls beyond just the candidates. They're going to put... Um, parental rights in the Constitution and have constitutional amendments in many of these states. And that's going to get young parents that normally might not vote out yeah. and say, you know what, I'm going to pull the lever. Yes, for that and for Donald Trump and for whoever else is on the ballot. 
And I think that that is a, a different tactic that Republicans haven't tried in a while. That could be very powerful going into 2024. Yeah, like, you know, how about we, we, you won't want your teacher talking to your three-year-old about, you know, mutilating their genitals and becoming, you know, in opposite right. sex just because they want you to? Like, that, that would be kind of a big one. I think that would, uh, that would certainly motivate me further to get out to the polls. And again, you know, it, it's funny that it sounds like we're being sarcastic, but that's that's really like these are hills to die on for the Democrat Party today. These are things they're actually yep. pushing. Like it's not like a soundbite that we're exaggerating with, you know, excessive hyperbole. Like they're actually That's doing right. that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think I think we do have to do that. I think we have to fight that battle hard. Yeah, no, those are the things that when I, in the reporting I'm doing now, those are the tactics that people say change the game in favor of Republicans. The map is also more favorable in 2024. And Joe Biden's drag on the Democratic ticket nationwide will also be very. And I think there's another element here. A lot of the economists I'm talking to now, despite all the spend from the Biden administration, they see a recession and a recessionary uh, economy always penalizes the incumbent party. And that doesn't bode well for Joe Biden either. So talk, John, a little bit about sort of how you became a you know, top investigative reporter. I mean, you, you worked at some of the big papers, even some of the big leftist papers in the past. I mean, you're breaking yeah. real stories, most notably, you know, the Russia hoax stuff and the Christopher Steele stuff. But but again, yeah. today, I don't think you could actually even if you're the guy breaking, you know, some of the biggest stories of the era or the lies about the biggest stories of the era. I don't think you'd be able to yeah. work at those places. So how did how did you segue? How did you you know make make that switch? Because I you know there's there does mm -hmm. seem that I mean there's still some good journalists out there, but you know and I know that because I've spoken to some of them that you show them what's mm -hmm. I, yeah I can't do that. My editor won't let me run with that, even though I know it's yeah. true because you've never lied to me, Don. So like I believe you, but like bring it elsewhere because you can't you know. That very sentiment you mentioned just was captured in a foyer recently. I think it was a Bloomberg reporter on the 2015 uh, trip where Hunter Biden and Ukraine came up. And the Bloomberg reporter is quoted by uh, some of Joe Biden's people in government emails now released. Uh, the Bloomberg reporter told us there's no way she's going to write a negative story about Hunter Biden unless a gun is put to her head. Pretty extraordinary to capture that in a government email, the sentiment that you say it's actually captured in writing now. It actually existed in the media. I think around 2010, the profession changed. Actually, I saw it in 2007. I was the lead national investigative reporter for The Washington Post. It was a great job. I was excited. I was working with people like Woodward and trying to break stories. And the Scooter Libby trial came down. The verdict came down. He was the former chief of staff to Dick Cheney. And half the Washington Post newsroom in front of my eyes stood up and cheered the verdict. I had never seen an expression of politics in a newsroom like that before. And I said to myself, something's changing. And by 2010, 2011, during the Obama years, you just started to see reporters picking sides, picking narratives, and then fitting the facts to the narrative, not following where the truth was. Neutrality died a slow death in the media. And today we look more partisan in the media than what the British and Europeans have. I think that Obama era, the rise of social media, um, uh, which gave uh, uh, reporters an opinion place to opine outside of their newsroom. It broke the system along with the economic model changing, and it's never going back. Anyone who thinks we're going to reform the mainstream media, they're pedaling up a hill that never ends. Uh, the way to fix it is through competition, like what you're doing, what I'm doing, what other people are doing. Competition has fixed almost every major problem America's ever had in the free marketplace. And as long as we have a free marketplace, we're free from censorship and, and we defeat that, I think competition will solve the media. What will happen is old brands will die and new trusted brands will step into their set. And I think that that's the only solution here today. I spent 20 years at the AP, a year at the Washington Post, a couple of years at the Hill, where I did most of my epic Joe Biden reporting. 
and the unraveling of the Russia collusion. And it became obvious to me that I couldn't practice honest journalism in the mainstream media. So I decided to talk to my wife and said, hey, hon, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to take our retirement, put it at risk, and go start a company. But she was all in. And uh, today we have a, a site that millions of people read, and we're very grateful. Well, no, I, th I think that's amazing. And I mean, I, I love seeing the success stories. And again, that's why I sort of started MXM to help boost yeah. you know, guys Same like you doing. to make sure that, hey, yep. they just see it. it you know, and, and again, uh, you know, that even that, even an aggregation site like I have, you know, is still a threat to them. But, you know, it, it, it feels is. like, when, you know, when they talk about, you know, getting out the truth and democracy and yada, 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 like, I mean, yeah. it seems like, you know, the biggest sayers of those, you know, let's call it cliches in the media are some of the biggest propagandists of the regime. I mean, it, yeah. it feel, I mean, these are the people literally doing the bidding of the man. Uh, and yet, you know, you know, on paper, they're they're looking, you know, democracy dies in darkness. To you know, quote your former, I guess, alma mater at the Washington Post. I yep. mean, yeah, like you mean you're doing like the Amazon Jeff Bezos bidding, and you think you're like you're doing great work. I mean, <laughs> how how does well, they that got even two jive? Today. They 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 rewarded themselves again today with more Pulitzers. It's kind of funny to watch the media keep rewarding the same bad actors who've really been wrong most of the last decade, but they keep doing it. They live in a bubble and they're unaware. There's an interesting dynamic though, Don, that's going on right now. The last four months, uh, more mainstream reporters have come to me and asked to partner with me on things. In fact, when we broke the big story about the IRS whistleblower, I worked on that alongside of CBS News. I had the material, I brought them into the game uh, a couple of weeks ago. Other major news publications have approached me. And for the first time I'm finding reporters saying, you know what, we've lost our marbles. I'd like to come back and do some original journalism, and they're starting to engage. Now, that's a long way from yeah. solving the industry's problem, but there's a few people now that realize that they're putting their own extinction uh, on the table, and I think they want to try to change that. Well, you know, I, I actually think that's really important. You know, I, I do think the, you're right. I, I love what you're doing. I love what others are doing. I love what I'm trying to do just to be able to get it out there. But, yeah. like, you know, there are people that, you know, they don't, they're not passionate about this like we are. We're never right? going to change. They see yep. it at the pump. They watch a couple minutes of news a day. Like you do, still need to get some of those voices in their ear. And if you can have a little bit of influence, you know, on even some of them, uh, I think that changes a lot. So you know, when you see the media just ignoring those some of these big stories, uh, you know, what is it that they're missing? What is it that they're actually trying to accomplish? Because I would think, regardless of sort of their politics, which we know is sort of you know gone by the wayside. I mean, I feel like even breaking some of these things would be like big career opportunities, or does that not work? Meaning if you break a big story that's against the narrative, even if it's a big story, uh, you're penalized. Like, I, you know, my father has that lawsuit out there against the New York Times and the Pulitzer organization yeah. because it's like, well, you gave people a Pulitzer Prize about their reporting on, you know, the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax. The only problem is... It was a hoax. And so the report that like you want a Pulitzer Prize for something that's proven to be untrue. Like, why does that hold firm? It is shocking to me. And it's an uh, it's sort of anathema to my own instincts of how I was trained as a journalist in the 80s. And uh, I think we have a new generation of leaders. Two things have happened. A weak generation of journalism leaders and a young generation who came indoctrinated out of schools these young people are dominating the newsroom. Those revolts you've seen recently in the New York Times about transgender coverage, other things, you see young people without the experience or the ethos to do good journalism, basically taking over and running the asylum from people who are much more experienced, but too weak to say, you know what? No, we're not gonna do that today. That's what happened to CNN. That's what happened, I think, at the New York Times for a long time. 
uh, we got to take control of the asylum or more, more importantly, maybe just abandon those and start some new places. I think that's the greater hope. I think, you know, what Glenn Greenwald's done, what yeah. uh, Matt Taibbi's done, they're actually getting as many readers as many local newspapers have in a whole month. They're showing that you can go out and break the system and recreate it in the way we used to do it. And I think that what you're doing, I'm doing, there's a lot of hope in that competition. There really is. Yeah, I think the insanity has sort of created, you know, guys like us. Hey, I'll, I'll take a That's chance right. on it. You know, it was easier building buildings than it was attacking, you know, the system. But I, I, <laughs> I think we have to do it. And uh, we don't have yeah. a choice. But, yeah, now those guys are actually catching on. And you're looking at, again, the Washington Post, I guess, you know, they were laying off a bunch of people and they're looking for financing because they're losing money. But, of course, they're losing money. Like, they're lying to your face. You know, they're yeah. like, it, it's not even there's no argument to be made that they're not just essentially pandering uh, you know, regime propaganda and or, you know, Amazon Bezos propaganda of the radical left. Like, it, it's clear, uh, you know, you know, I could say the same about some of the right even at, at, at this point. So, you know, the independent journalist, I think, is perhaps the last hope of actual truth uh, that we have out there. So it, it, that's a big one. I think you're right. It is. And you said something that reminded me of my very first mentor at the AP when I finally got uh, bumped out of Milwaukee to Washington. And I thought, oh, my God, it's the greatest thing. And I, I got to meet with one of the great AP reporters of all time, Walter Mears. He just recently died. But he was a guy that everybody trusted. You never knew his politics because he wrote down the middle with neutrality every day. And he said something to me in one of the first times I interacted with him in the AP newsroom in Washington. He said, I'm going to tell you one thing, John. I hope if you don't remember anything else from me, you remember this. If you lose your trust, you lose everything with your readers. And if you lose your readers, you lose your money. And that direct line between trust, readers, and money is what's disaggregating the mainstream organizations who blew that trust a few years ago and what's empowering a new generation of journalists to step into that void. Trust is everything in journalism. And there's a generation of my practitioners who blew that trust day in and day out, mostly during the Trump era, particularly. It was worse. You, your family endured more bad journalism than any person, any family I've seen in the history of journalism in my time. But it's now coming at a consequence. People are waking up saying, Boy, did they sell us a bill of crap. And I think now that moment to change the dynamic is upon us. And what you're doing, I'm doing, other people, Matt Taibbi, we're beginning to have a difference. The CNN people are feeling it. The Washington Post are feeling it. CBS is feeling it. And I think that's why I've gotten these overtures in the last few months. Yeah, so what was it about, you know, the Trump era? You sort of said, you know, it was the Obama era where they sort of pulled their mask off and were just happy to be, you know, partisan hacks. Uh, you know, yep. it was the Trump error that made, you know, the hysteria, uh, you know, come to light. You know, what was it about those two men that, that allowed, you know, so much of that unmasking uh, to occur? Both, yeah. you know, the, the opposite, I guess, you know, had the opposite effect. You had the hysteria under Trump and the, you know, uh, yep. uh, undeserved adoration uh, of Obama. You know, what, what happened under those two presidents that caused that sort of extreme uh, that extreme shift. And then again, shifting from one to the other, uh, I guess, led to the, you know, the TDS, the Trump derangement syndrome, perhaps that you're referring to, that it just yeah. bastardized everything that they'd ever believed in. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I noticed a subtle shift. I'm going to take an event that just occurred in Washington. It's an annual right here, the Washington White House Correspondents' Dinner. In the, in the 90s and early 2000s, Reporters like myself, when we'd go to that dinner, it was to identify sources and to commit journalism while having a dinner, but it wasn't to get inside a clique and be the cool kids clique. Somewhere in the Obama era, 
the reporting uh, uh, establishment decided being in the cool kids club was more important than being true to the facts. And so you started to see this sort of silly coverage of Barack Obama. People go, that's not true. I remember when I broke with um, uh, God CBS News. I'm drawing a blank. I don't know if it's a good friend of mine. I broke some of the early Fast and Furious stories. And my God, people were screaming at me like, you can't write that. Yes, I can. The facts show what happened. You can't write that. That's not what we can't have. We can't empower gun owners in America. Wait a second. I don't. I don't have a stake in this. I just want to tell the truth that some guns ran across the border and killed some people. So uh, I started to notice agenda journalism go in. When your dad came down the escalator, he threatened to disrupt that entire marriage between media elitists and government power brokers. He was the ultimate threat to that nexus of three people that started going to White House correspondence dinners and book parties and salons saying, we're all together. You reporters, we elitists, we government, we're all working together. Donald Trump came and said, I'm smashing that system. And that's when the media realized out of self-preservation to that system, they decided to go after Donald Trump and they lost their heads going after me. Some of the stories I read now, I go back in 16, I go, oh my God, that's hysterical. That has to be an onion headline. Oh no, that was the New York Times. Wait a second. They lost their heads because they wanted, there was a generation of journalists who thought being in the clique was more important than being in the right, being truthful. And once that happened, uh, the, the last seven years were written in stone. I really believe that. I, listen, I, I think that actually makes total sense. Maybe that's a good segue to talk about, you know, just, hey guys, if you're watching this and you want to see this stuff, you know, like it right now, subscribe, share it with Thank your you. friends. It's really simple. I know there's like 10,000 people watching live right now, so just, you know, hit the like button. I'm watching you. you guys to see if you actually do it, but that's the kind of stuff that then gets things further up in the algorithm. That's how we compete against those guys who have these sort of that's artificially right. created platforms, right? And everyone then, they're major companies with billions of dollars behind them, and they're aggregating and pushing this stuff out on you. Big tech is going to help them get their message out, even if it's total nonsense. And I think you're going to see a lot of that uh, with what you have going on at the border right now, John. I'd love to have your take on you know, yes. the border crisis, what's going on with the sort of what, you know, Joe Biden talking about eliminating Title 42, what that's designed to do, uh, and how they're going to cover the objective insanity. I mean, this is, yeah. you know, if this was going on in a third world country right now, we'd be calling for regime change and starting a new war. It's going on on our border, and we're too busy spending $130 billion to Ukraine to actually build a wall and complete a wall for $3 billion. It doesn't make any sense. What, what's your take on all of this right now? I had this a bizarre moment a couple of weeks ago. I got to interview the Pol Poland's consulate general to the United States, so one of their top diplomatic people to the United States. And he said, you know what I'm doing today? I'm doing something your country's not doing. I'm like, what's that? He said, we're starting to build a border wall on the Russian border. I said, oh, that's really interesting. Uh, you know, they don't let us do that here. And he said, yeah, no, that's why I mentioned it to you. And I thought it was kind of funny to see that foreign leaders have an Alice in Wonderland looking glass effect when they look at America like now, like those people have lost their marbles. What's going on? Of course you need a border wall. Even Poland, uh, who's right alongside of us in the Ukraine war, realizes we're kind of insane on our own borders right now. Uh, Title 42 will list. The number of people crossing the border will grow from seven to 8,000 a day right now, which by the way, is already historic highs, to somewhere between 11 and 16,000. There will be more people like the Texas shooter who uh, executed that poor family uh, because he didn't like the fact that they asked him to stop shooting his rifle, an illegal alien. And that story uh, gets to one of the things you and I were just talking about. No mainstream media could come yeah. to the to the honest realization, I have to mention, it's important that he's been illegally in the country and five times important. They couldn't write that. 
for days because they're still. Yeah, I covered it last agenda. week when it happened, and yet you know the the people you who did. should be writing about yeah. it, it's like oh crickets. I mean, and like I said, I'm not a trained journalist, but I have a brain. If yeah. I can find something, and if I am blessed to have a platform to put it out there, like we have to do yeah. this because people are making you know, informed decisions, but the informed decision that they're making is based on a total lie. It's based on a fabrication. And that's why, again, why, you know, this sort of independent notion uh, is so critical and so important. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I was talking to one of my colleagues in the mainstream media when that came out, and I was kind of goading him a little bit like, hey, you got to mention the guy was thrown out of the country five times. He came back. Oh, no, that, that's not relevant. I said, how can it not be relevant? If the guy's deported, doesn't come back in, he doesn't kill the family. Isn't that kind of relevant? And he, and he just had no answer for it because he, he drank the Kool-Aid. And yeah. it scares me sometimes to think that people are so indoctrinated that they want the outcome uh, more than they want the facts. And that's why we just got to keep fighting for the truth. I will say this. Russia collusion and, and all the things that all of us did to get that story out, Prove that even when the entire establishment against you, when the power of the CIA, the FBI, the Democratic media, the Democratic Congress, and Adam Schiff, the great, the new uh, uh, reincarnation of Joe McCarthy, all of those people were against a small number of people like you and your dad and and Devin Nunes and myself and Sarah Carter. Five, six, seven people took on thousands, and the facts prevailed. And I think that that gives me great hope that if Americans, if we can find a way to get facts, Americans will always choose facts over BS. And I think if we could do it against the CIA and the yep. FBI, I think we can do it on all the big stories of today. Well, yeah, and I think I, I think that's what we're doing. I mean, slowly but surely chipping yep. away, right? I, I, based on well, the done. facts, based on what's out there, it should be so easy, John, right? It should be like, oh, this is a no-brainer. But, you know, we got to, people have to understand and remember. That's why I say, like, hey, like and share this stuff because, you know, we are competing against a trillion dollar, trillion dollar, yes, we you know, are. Uh, big tech enterprise that is functioning simply yeah. as the marketing arm of the other side. And not just to boost yeah. the good things that they supposedly do, I'm not aware of much of that, but to also subvert and hide yeah. the things that we're doing, the truth, the details of all of this. You know, I, I can't help but, you know, just think about like the Tennessee shooter, like, oh, you know, a gun, you know, by, you, you'd think it was a MAGA extremist, something like that, that's what they were praying yeah. for. But, you know, now it's a, it's a trans terrorist with a manifesto. And now it's like, oh, it's gone. That's like just gone out of the news. You know, the Waukesha Christmas yeah, parade, Waukesha. I guess. Right. That's it was right. a it was a a car drove through a Christmas parade like it was magically freaking driving itself. Like not not a black yeah. extremist, a, you know, an African-American racist who had just I mean, been released, who had yeah. been released, who thing. had a dossier on his Facebook page that wasn't removed. I mean, if I said something that was that at 10 percent of that level, I wouldn't be able to be seen in public again. I'd be thrown off every social platform in the world. This guy had a platform and it seemed like they were almost boosting him. He drives through a parade of Christmas goers. That is not a terrorist event. Again, Trans, like, you, oh, oh, if you're trans, well, you can go shoot up a group of Christian children. That, that's fine. You, you were driven to it, John. He was driven to it. Yeah. Um, there was an effort to that. That's right. They're, I mean, they're really effort trying to do to this. They hijack the story that way. They, they literally were trying to hijack the narrative. Fortunately, the American people were smarter. Didn't let that to burble too long. There's a story on our site today, Don, that when you talk about how much the cards are stacked against us, it's a little story, but I think it speaks a tons of weight to the American people. The Homeland Security Department, the center... Um, the epicenter of censorship in America right now. They have decided that 
protecting America's infrastructure includes erasing conservatives' opinions. That's really basically what their doctrine is right now. They basically say that. By the way, they have China envy. There's been these, if you look at some of the early homelands, they were like, oh, man, I wish we could censor like the Chinese. That's a great deal. That's the people that are in government. They did a training manual, which we got a hold of this uh, uh, through FOIA with the America First Legal Foundation and the Freedom uh, Foundation for Freedom Online, two uh, organizations that are really exposing censorship in a big way. And their whole thing was, can we create a game so that neighbors start uh, ratting out their neighbors if they're anti-abortion? If someone says abortion is baby killing, oh my God, you need to run to the police and tell them that person might kill someone. That was taxpayer dollars being created that game. That's how sophisticated the uh, effort to divide this country yeah. and to silence half of the country is. That's your tax dollars, our federal government working on that right now at well, this moment. And, and perhaps that's what's so scary about sort of the advent of AI and what's going on with that, right? Yeah. Because, oh. you know, you, you can't have sort of an organic, you know, I don't want to say uprising, right? Because then they'll turn it into an insurrection. But just calling this stuff out, if AI is able to find and target the people who are the leaders of that thought right. movement and just discredit and eliminate them and lie about them and make sure they have no presence on social, again, that's that right. truth never gets out there. And that's that's perhaps one of the biggest fears I have of what's going on in this yeah. sort of technology-driven side, especially when you think about what it can do to that next generation. I know you have also a new book out for kids called yeah. Hidden Headlines. You know, what made you want to write that? Because it's, it's sort of interesting. I mean, I, and, I, and I love yeah. sort of approaching, you know, that next generation, right? It's really hard to take someone at 22, they get out of college, and they've basically been indoctrinated for like, let's call it, 18 of those 22 years uh, with pure propaganda. You can't yeah. think for yourself. Just give us the narrative. Regurgitate what we tell you. And rather than, even if you don't believe it, that's how you're rewarded. Uh, I sort of like the approach. What made you want to do this? So the one's a funny episode in my personal life. So about two years ago, my, my son, who's autistic, got uh, a hamster as a pet. Then my wife and son went away for a quick family vacation. I had one lesson or one mission, feed the hamster, don't lose the hamster. Uh -oh. Well, I opened the cage, fed the hamster. I must not have closed the cage. The hamster got out. I got off a of Hannity one night, came home, realized the hamster is gone. I was panicked. So I went and got a stethoscope at CVS. I'm not making this up. And I went along the floorboards until I find the darn thing. He was in an air conditioning vent. I got him back into the cage, closed him up. I thought I'd get away with murder. I didn't tell my, parent, my wife or my son. The next day, my co-host on television, Amanda, told the whole world what happened. My oh, wife found out. So I had to do something good for the hamster. So in this book, my son's hamster, Chunk, is the newspaper editor who can't get his newspaper out because someone is clogging the hamster tubes in the, in the community and the newspaper can't get out, i.e. big tech, right? Yeah. And so we tell the story. There's fun animals in it. Brave Books came to me and said, hey, we'd like to do uh, they're, uh, the new Scholastica. They're, if you're pro-America, you want pro-America kids, but brave books are the people to go to. They're doing amazing stuff. And they said to me, what topic would you pick? And I said, you know what? I was bewildered in 2019 and 2020 when my own profession was sanctioning um, uh, censorship. And I was like, wait a second, we, we depend on the First Amendment. How could we be censoring? And then I realized there were two generations of kids that went through the schools and they weren't taught the Bill of Rights. They weren't taught why the First Amendment was first. They weren't told that free speech is essential. In fact, some of the kids I interviewed told me this. They were actually taught by their educators that in some circumstances, government censorship could be good for the larger collective. Just think about that. That's anathema to everything our founding father said. So I said, hey, I want to do a book on free speech. And they gave me that form. They came up with beautiful characters. I, I donated Chunk. They came up with Seymour Clues and the others. And with animals and in a fictional story, 
we tell the story of what you and I just lived through and everyone else lived through, but we do it in a way and hopefully kids will get a lesson from their parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles that they're not getting in their schools. Well, yeah, I think that's so critical. And it's not even, you know, get a lesson from their aunts and uncles that they're not getting in schools. They're getting the opposite in schools, right? Exactly. I mean, I, I've right. seen some of the exactly. stuff. I've, I've seen what, you know, either kids or my friend's kids or whatever it is, what they're coming home. And it's, you know, no wonder these kids are 18, 20 years old and hate their country, right? I mean, because they're being fed uh, one big lie. I, I'd pay good money to see them go live in the uh, communist country of their choice or the socialist yes. country of their choice and watch them survive they for a year. couldn't handle five minutes. Yeah, oh, it would make the apprentices' ratings look dismal. Yeah. Uh, it, it would be amazing, <laughs> but they still don't get it. it you know, yeah. uh, you, know you, you spoke a little bit about that in the fall of the wall, but you know, my mother escaped from communism. I, my grandparents right. brought me over there to communist Czechoslovakia as a kid in my summers for the simple reason that they wanted me to see how lucky we were in America. I mean, think about how indifferent that is. You know, yeah. you had this kid from you know, the 67th floor of Trump Tower going to communist Czechoslovakia, and I got it really quickly. I didn't realize that was yep. sort of the beginnings of my political leanings, uh, but, but I got it. And yet these kids, you know, while they're on their iPhone and drinking their Starbucks and this, like, they, they don't get it. So I think, you know, getting them early making sure that you know they understand that making sure we undo some of the damage that's being done i'd love everyone to you know be able to you know homeschool and not get stuck in the public school indoctrination camps uh yeah. but you know that's not an option for everyone so being able to that's supplement right. that education uh and prevent these things from going so wrong uh is so critical so you know i, I think that's a wonderful thing and I, I thank you for doing it where can people find the book Real easy, bravebooks.us. In this economy, you'll get nothing free except at Brave Books. They'll give you my book free this month if you subscribe to their monthly book club. Uh, with the Joe Biden economy, that might actually be a good deal. So take it up. Yeah, it's at bravebooks.us. We're really excited about it. There's a lot of other great authors. Sarah Carter's in there. Uh, Sean uh, Spicer's in there. Uh, people who just want to give pro-America, pro-God books to this country to counter what's been fed to their children thus far. Well, I think that's great. John, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks, and guys, Tom. go check out... Go check out Just the News. As, as more of this breaks, we may have to have you back sooner than later, John, because, again, you've been Tell leading the in. charge on the Biden corruption stuff. It seems like we finally got some Republicans that have the, I'm going to say it, balls, because it's Rumble yep. and we can say these things here, <laughs> to actually do that, who aren't just, yep. you know, subservient to the deep state and to the uni party and all of that. So I think uh, that's going to be great. Thank you for everything that you've done on that. Again, I take this Thank one perhaps so. a little personally, only because... Uh, maybe I'm jealous. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm jealous of Hunter because I could have made billions uh, had I been able to just get away with selling influence and peddling a little bit of influence to the Chinese. It would have been so much easier than uh, working and doing this and fighting these clowns. Uh, but now, in all seriousness, it's, it's so important that we're doing it and getting it out there. So thanks for everything that you're doing, and we'll have to get back with you and have you on here again soon. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it a lot. Thank you. So, guys, make sure, again, like down below. It's simple. You're already watching. Just click it. Click the like. More people will see it that way. Share it with your friends and go check out and thank our sponsors for having the guts and the balls to support a show like this. So go check out Patriot Mobile where you put America first with every call. Guys, you're going to have a cell phone in your pocket. Have a cell phone with a carrier that actually supports what you believe in and doesn't do everything in their power to do the opposite of that like some of the big carriers. So go check out Patriot Mobile, where they give back to the causes that we believe in, whether it's the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, to protecting our police and first responders. So for free activation, go to patriotmobile.com slash Don Jr. 
And that's patriotmobile.com slash Don Jr. They'll give you free activation. And also, I want you to check out the guys at GoldCo. Protect your retirement savings. We see the disaster that's looming. We see the stupidity of what's going on. So protect your retirement savings by owning physical inflation hedging gold and silvers. So go to DonJuniorGold.com. That's D-O-N-J-R Gold.com. Learn more. Figure it out for yourself, but learn more and make sure you're protecting yourself against the insanity that we're seeing every day. So you guys are the best. We'll see you again on Thursday. Uh, I believe we're going to have Elise Stefanik on. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the things going on in Republican leadership as we get into the 2024 race. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. For those of you who are locals, I'm going to head over there right now to do my Ask Me Anything, so go check that out if you're interested. Uh, for those of you who are on that platform a lot, I know I'll see you over there in a couple seconds. Again, guys, thanks for everything. You are the best, but we don't get that out there without you guys. So like, share, subscribe, download the Rumble app. Make sure that other people can actually see this stuff because it's not going to get out there magically on its own. We're going to get out there doing this as a team. Uh, so I appreciate you guys. You're the best, and we'll see you on Thursday.